Hey, welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle, and we're here at the AMC Theater in Plymouth Meeting in Pennsylvania to see Midsummer. Uh, I just became a Stubbs member, pretty much. It's pretty much Movie Pass, except they shouldn't go under and go bankrupt like Movie Pass did because you just they own the theater so and the movies. So it's it's a little bit better than Movie Pass. Pay uh, I think 20 bucks a month, round round it down a little bit. I think it's like 23, uh, and you see three movies a week. So, so that's going to give us the opportunity to see more movies. I'm going to be joining up as soon as I get back from a trip I'm taking in a little bit. We got lots going on. Um, we are here during the day in broad devastating daylight so bright. Um, because we're seeing Midsummer, which is a horror movie set in uh, full bright daylight. You've heard some pretty disturbing things about this movie. I've read nothing. Uh, we both might come out completely shocked and disturbed and not want to talk about this at all. So I'm excited to see it. Are you? Yes, I've brought a bucket to vomit in if I need to <laughs> afterwards uh, and some anxiety medicine. Awesome. Well, let's go see it. Let's go check it out. You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. I hope this thing doesn't shift right here. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'll bend my body a little bit. Yeah, we going steps. somewhere? It's funny. Uh, what's that? You putting your seatbelt on? Uh, we, look, the car's running. <laughs> I'm putting my seatbelt on. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long trip. You're preparing for a dangerous talk? Indeed. Uh, uh, so, uh, all right. Well, we're we're back after the movie. It's the middle of the day. Um, it is midsummer currently. And... The air is on, so if you hear a little hum, that's what it is. Uh, spoilers as well. We just saw Midsummer. We're going to be talking about all the spoilers within Midsummer. Um, although I don't even really know where to start, other than asking the question, why does a movie like this get made? Uh, and, and so I'm not sure what you're asking me. Can you ask that question again? Um, what is the purpose for yeah, a film right, right, right. like this? Yeah, so um, that's a great question, and one maybe we'll find some closer answer to as we move through the conversation. Um, I mean, it's a movie designed to disturb, right? I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm disturbed. I mean, it's a movie designed to create a sense of... Um, uh, madness to some great extent like you're yeah. experiencing a real disturbed sense I mean there's a lot going on yeah um, but I, and I think that's a lot of it it's not anything like a traditional horror film right no no nothing um, it uses some but tropes there are right? definitely tropes but it, it encapsulates them in a very different structure. This isn't a solo movie. There are other movies like this in the world. Right. So like Wicker Man, right. although less so, is very similar to this. I mean, the original, not the remake, the which is um, not I, I haven't seen either. Uh, um, the, uh, there was a terrible 70s movie called The Devil's Reign with Ernest Borgnine and uh, William Shatner that oh. uh, is you know fits into the same sort of uh, right. genre um, as opposed to and there's a lot of 70 movies actually which this is strangely reminiscent of a lot of that um, that fit into that same category so there you go that's some yeah. frame of reference yeah. I, think, I think Ari Aster has a goal and this is not from reading like or listening to that because I've heard other conversations as opposed to what Aster said it seems like it's about pushing limits of what you can do with film yeah. to use a genre to talk about an issue What's the issue? Um, so, I think it's grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard a ton of reviewers, a ton of reviewers, and in fact, I think Astor say it's about uh, failing relationship. 
and it's about how it's, it's like a metaphor for a relationship that, falling apart. That definitely comes through for sure. Uh, grief comes through a lot. Grief comes through as very well. clearly um, for me. There was very it it. Um, I think what the film did for me a little bit was challenge the thoughts you have about a culture, um, any culture. If something's different, doesn't mean it's wrong. Just means that your perspective is not the same as theirs, right? Um, and I think we all know that going into mm-hmm. like a different culture, experiencing something completely different than we're used to. Um, but there are moments within th- this commune, things that they're doing, that I'm like, that is actually a really interesting, maybe coping mechanism or something along those lines, right? Like I was very. Uh, caught off guard but also moved at the um that you know when they're wailing with her in her grief um they made her her um they made her her moaning and her yelling and her screaming what was once only her doing it made her made her feel secluded and left out they made that feeling that she was feeling feel normal and inclusive um which I thought was just really... It was just so many weird moments like that. that I was like, <laughs> that's a really interesting thing that they're doing. Uh, that could... Pretend, I don't, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know how the mind works. Um, but stuff that could potentially help people in real life cope with whatever they're dealing with, you know? So a lot of those moments reminded me of acting exercises I did in grad school and with yeah, other actors. And, right. and you know, one of the things I slammed the original Bear Witch Project for is that it looks like a pile of kids in acting class right. just vomiting <laughs> out emotion. And here, because of craft, that right. isn't what happened, but it was very much these sort of these raw emotional states, which I think is why it's disturbing. Uh-huh. Um, it's interesting because I'm not sure it creates pathos in the audience. Right. I think it creates this discomfort, mm-hmm. um, which is different than, to some extent, what you might think this movie might be trying to do. Right. Well, the, we we don't like to be vulnerable in our society, right? We don't like to even eye contact for an extended period of time, which they brought up in the film for a little bit. Right. Um, is something that is just it's difficult to do like I don't look at you the entire time like this while we talk because then you just looked away because it's weird it's It's weird weird to just look at someone else's eyes while you're talking to them for an extended period of time Uh, yeah so I guess the vulnerability that they showed would definitely make you feel just discomfort right and I certainly felt that I felt more discomfort because of the graphic images I didn't expect how graphic it was to, to actually happen it didn't happen all that much but when it did Oh, right. It was jarring. So I think one of the strengths of this film is obviously imagery, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's uh, from the opening, right? Which much of the film is told to us Mm -hmm. in that opening panel. Uh I mean, all I want to do is go freeze frame that thing and just walk through it. So much of it's told in that opening panel, but there's image after image that is startling. And I mean startling both in its in their compositional beauty, yeah, and yeah. then at times in the sca- scale of violence, and not necessarily realistic, right? Right. Like the bear right. to me didn't look realistic. Yeah. You know what this felt like? It felt very, um, like I want to say Brothers Grimm storybook. Okay. Horror. Oh, like I, f- I feel like it could have been 
This feels like this could have been like the original work for something that Disney then takes and and turns into <laughs> right. a a nice children's film. Well, yeah, uh, undoubtedly there will be a midsummer Disney version uh, <laughs> where it'll all be happy and animated, uh, and then they'll make it live action. Yeah, after. right. Uh, <laughs> and it will so. flop because it lacks emotion. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So what? Stood out to you guys, you guys. I'm looking at these guys walking by. Yeah, there's a group of people walking, checking uh, us out. What What was like? You had to cover your eyes. What was the moment for you where you were like, so, I had to look away? So strangely enough, I was terrified of coming to see this film. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a highly empathetic individual, mm-hmm. and horror movies do a thing to me. Um, which us and this did not. Mm-hmm. So I, there wasn't really a moment. Um, the, I was, I was prepared to s- turn away when the hammer fell, uh, the first time. Okay. And I was very concerned about the outcome of the book photography. Um, and I'm dancing around spoilers. Now, I don't know why, but I mean the book that, photography. Wait, when, okay, when just spoil the, it. When he was taking photos of the scripture. Oh, oh, that, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, what was going to happen there? Uh-huh. Um, you know, but it, surprisingly, I was much less bothered. I anticipate this is the stuff of nightmares for me, as opposed to okay. in the moment. Right. In the same way that when I went to us, I expected to be turning my head constantly, and I, I didn't at all. Yeah. What? How about you? Us, us. I didn't turn my head right. in any way whatsoever. Um, so here, this, this, I, you know, they jumped off the rock. Right, and that first head smash, I was like, "Oh, okay." Right, that's this that's, is a completely that's, that's, different that's thing. That's this. Okay, that's what this is going to be. Um, and I forgot about the mallet, man. I forgot about the mallet until they <laughs> the guy broke his legs and they started walking up to him with the mallet. I, and I had I turned away. Um, I think at the second mallet the smash second strike, because right. the first smash was enough for me. Right, and then they smashed him three more times. Right. Uh, and, the, you know, yeah. there's something about the communal nature of the mm-hmm. act. So the the movie is, I mean, of the things it's really strong, because it's strong in a lot of ways, um, world building. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a complete world. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not a place. It's almost like they went into a completely different dimension. And they're, 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 yeah, it absolutely. And there's the runes and details. Um, there there's a lot of work to be done by some scholar that's not me uh, well I mean maybe it's me someday but it's probably not of the runes matching characters uh-huh. she's wearing runes that we saw multiple times yeah. during the piece and to track that through and I'm sure there's probably some YouTube video that tracks right. some of that stuff um, and we certainly got all sorts of, um, of information in graphic form yeah. before we saw Yeah, there was a lot of foreshadowing the with the uh, entire love potion or love, mm-hmm. uh, there that whole thing between uh, Christian and uh, Maya, I think her name right. was. Um, they showed in the panels that were hanging on the um, right. drying line, the clothesline. And literally there. showed them. Showed them, panels. exactly what was happening. Yeah. And it, it, I forgot about those panels until... Um, when was it? It was pre or post pubic hair. It might have been post pubic hair. Okay, because pubic hair. Strange is, thing to say in the yeah, podcast. It is. I was. I, well, I was going to say to you when we started. I'm not sure. If well, I was end up being explicit. Or I not. was wondering if it was going to be the pubic hair. It might have been. The pubic hair was clear to me. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I sort of saw where we were going, but then the pubic hair. Yeah. And then the the uh, there was a lot of very specific graphic imagery that. 
um, uh, that I'm not sure I'm going to say yet. So we'll I'll hold off yeah. on that thing. Yeah. Good. Um, well, well, that whole, and that whole thing for him, for Christian, came uh, for me felt very full arc for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear in the beginning they mention that Danny doesn't like to have sex with him. And so he's clearly searching. Like, that was something he never even mentioned. He didn't bring up himself. His right. friends spoke the truth of who he is. Um, and he kind of followed along that path of what they said, who he said, who they said he was. Um, and so he came to this place, not necessarily looking for sex, but at the same time, if it was offered, when I think maybe if he would she do hadn't it. come, mm-hmm. he was looking for sex. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, so if... If he didn't have sex with Maya, would he have been burned in a bear suit at the end of the movie? And I'm going to say no. Probably not, right? Because that's the revenge, but it's Uh, also the arc the story needs to tell. So the metaphor is about what this guy is doing, and he is unfaithful to her. Right. At the beginning, from the beginning of the film, he's unfaithful. Right. And so the arc of her being able to... It's that moment in the opening scene that I think is really interesting. They're having a conversation when they're together after they found out about the trip, and he says sorry, and she says, that sounds like... Uh, yeah. You're just saying t- too bad. And yeah. then by the end of that scene, they've rotated positions, right? Physically under blocking. And she's apologizing. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I'm like, this is an abusive guy. And he's manipulating her. Right. And she is seriously, seriously damaged. And he's awful. And so that comeuppance for him is a, way, a metaphor for that relationship where right. the tables have turned. She has called him accountable. She's become... Right a force of nature in a way you yeah. know um, and she calls him out and, and that to me was interesting so I think you're right about him yeah she has all the power in the end right Right. because um, she's the May Queen so. and she is free of her grief when she exercises that yeah right the smile at the end yeah. releases her from um, from everything that she's felt with him and the smile only comes after she watches the she watches the people screaming yeah and then watches the house burn and fall, and it's after the fall of the house that she that she mm-hmm. gives that smile. Um, and I wasn't sure what emotion she was going to give at the end, but that yeah. it felt again so disturbing, but also right for her <laughs> exactly. character. Right? Uh, um, her her face is a wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, as an actress, her a way, her ability to restrain yeah. and convey emotion both yeah. was really amazing, I thought. And uh, uh, Astor's use of the camera to help us see that. There's some amazing, amazing close-ups. close-ups. Amazing. Uh, just, just amazing. The entire f- uh, opening call, uh, cell phone no, call yeah. with... Um, is she talking to Christian on the phone? No, well, she, she talks to, to Christian and she talks to someone else. She's a, talking to someone else. An unnamed on the phone. female. Uh, and uh, there's this close up of her in the beginning and she's she's crying while she's talking on the phone yeah. and it just holds on her. The camera's not even moving, I don't think. It's just, no, it just sits. It is just. Sits. I was like, she is incredible. She's an incredible actress. No, that sequence in that first phone where she ends up by the end of it, sort of in this desperate nature is unbelievable. Um, And then we see that again when she's mourning the experience of the betrayal. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that look in the keyhole, which reminds me of this um, 
this artwork that's down in the Philly by Marcel Duchamp, uh, where you look through a keyhole and you see a body laid out that could oh, have wow. been raped or right. it may have it may have been finished with sex. It may just be laying naked, and you look through the but uh, and I spoilers for Duchamp's work. Um, you look through this keyhole and you're forced to be the voyeur. And that moment reminded me so much of that. And then uh, and that at that from there. You know, uh, she vomits, right? Like right, the right. first person vomiting. to do that, right? Uh, set, uh, set, did the did someone I vomit th- after the? I think Christian might have vomited okay. after the, or he the, at least the, made the the old folks the, the, the noise of vomiting. I didn't see anything come out of his mouth, but after they jumped off the cliff, I there was definitely some kind of vomit. And it's um, like it's like there's some purging that happens for her, mm-hmm. and then then that amazing scene of. Of grief, shared yeah. grief, shared pain. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so yeah. So, so shots that stuck out for you. Let's talk about that because there's a lot. Or blocking. Let's just say those Look, two structural things. There's so much. Um, the entire the entire set, everything that was <laughs> laid out. Um, I mean, I can I could see him. I could see. Uh, Ari just kind of like you have this bird's eye view blueprint of a of multiple. Like he just has a ton of different like this is scene one, scene two, scene three, and he just goes throughout the commune is like big table here, this is what it looks like, blocking here. Like I just the amount of direction I think that must have gone into um just everybody's movement, everybody's uh breath and how they're saying certain words and how they're dancing around and what they're I I don't know how he even shot this movie. <laughs> it's, it's so much. It looks like so much work. Um, well, yeah, I th- I that think... wouldn't feel cohesive in the end because right. you miss up somewhere, right? Something's not does something's not cohesive at some point, and it it starts to fall apart and crumble on you. But everything felt so like cohesive throughout. I don't know if he instead of giving them um, a certain like. Direction, he, they just get or a certain like this is what you're gonna do, <gasps> right? A breath, like if they just let them do what felt right, um, almost like an improv thing, right? Uh, and you mentioned in the beginning that this felt very. There's a lot of actor kind of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would imagine that that was the case, and they just let them go and probably be. I would be interested to find out more on that. I don't know if that exists. Yeah, and I, and I would imagine that somewhere. once you start shooting for real, you have to lock some of that down. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. the, um, the, when you're talking about, like, the blueprint of the space, that moment where we, where they're walking into the commune and we do that sort of shot from above and we're watching the pattern and we can see the mm-hmm. different color clothing, the white and the yeah. non-white clothing moving through this forest into the space. Uh-huh. And, and I said this about The Dead Don't Die. We had geography from go. Right. I knew where everything was. The only thing I'm not sure where it was in a way in my head is that cliff. That to me was out of the general structure of the space we were in. Uh-huh. Not saying it's what's a problem. It just was. All the other pieces are there. They form a shape. Yeah, tables formed very clear shaped yep. runes, like they were runes. I they think were the rune you things, know, yeah. like the and um, and then that blocking of the chained activity of the leader starts and yeah, down the table goes right. the, the forks and spoons and all of that sound work. <laughs> oh, 
I mean spectacular. My goodness, the sound was amazing. The sound was the amazing. Sound was, this is this is something you're not going to get at home, right. because there was there was a time uh, the the biggest moment it stuck out to me. The sound was when they're dancing, and. Uh, she's she's spinning around, and you can feel the sounds rotate around your head right. uh, in the theater, and then it hard cuts to Christian, and it's just it's at the screen, yep. and then it cuts back in, and it's again like it was just incredible, um, yeah, and pulsating like there was these all of the music, all of the um, not just the score, but the physical music in the film that the the people the actors are playing. Um, was just pulsating in your brain, it felt like, throughout uh, those moments. Um, I want to go back to a shot real quick. Good, do it. Um, I think one of the the craziest shots, the coolest shots, um, was the drive into the, oh, yeah. the, the space, Good. right? Um, starts on top, uh, it starts behind the car, and I think it goes up to the top of the car, and then it rotates in front of the car, right. so and it's now upside, upside down. down. Um, and you track with that for a minute, and then it it switches, and now it's upside down your their perspective, right. um, and then it rotates, rotates up again. Around, yeah. And man, like if that wasn't just the camera telling you, hey man, this is not going to be good. Right, we were going into right. an upside down, you know, Stranger Things type of this. Everything is going to be really weird, and it's. Get ready. When you think about the hero's journey, there's this moment when we leave the real world, mm. when we enter this sort of magical world in the yeah. hero's journey, and for sure, like there's a symbol, and, and I think you could probably track the hero's journey straight through for Danny. I think you right. could walk that storyline in a twisted way, but I think you could right. do it. Not that I, want, I think we should, um, but that moment to me felt like that, it, it, and, and certainly you can't uh, on in the middle of July uh, owning Netflix not say, "Oh, we're upside down." Stranger Things yeah. for at least one moment. Right, you have to. You have to. Um, the other thing that I thought was just absolutely incredible was the color palette of the film. Um, the tones, the color grade, the choices for what color clothing and flowers and buildings and just everything. Every every little bit of color that was in this film was so carefully thought out. Um, it almost like felt very... Uh, Wes Anderson pastelli to me without the kind of weird vibes of Wes, um, but yeah, I loved, I loved that and how hard it is to shoot at uh, noon or like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, right now it is, it is almost six o'clock here in Pennsylvania, and it's almost getting to be the time of like perfect shooting conditions. But they were shooting high, high noon sun. You're gonna get those raccoon eyes, raccoon eyes, like dark circles. The lighting was just spectacular throughout, and it helped that they were all wearing white, probably, to bounce all right. of this light back onto people's faces. But um, such a uh, deception for everyone to wear white and to be in this, you know, almost carefree feeling space, and then all of a sudden you're just. You're flipped upside down. Well, and you flip that to the beginning where we're in that winter sequence, which right. it feels like such a cheat, right? Like yeah. you're in there and you're like, what the hell's going on at the very right. beginning? And I've heard, I haven't heard anyone talk about this. So the the use of negative space in that opening sequence, all those shots with all of that empty space yeah. above, right. um, was spectacular, yeah. really beautiful. And the credits rolling through the storm and the trees and this, you know, the deadness of winter. Mm -hmm. And of course, we get. 
death in that moment in what another astounding image of her sister's yeah. suicide. Yeah. The, again, spoilers. Um, the, <laughs> the deaths in that are terrible, mm -hmm. but the we sort of know part of what's going on there. But the sister's suicide moment is so violently right. graphic and disturbing. I want to know how does that play into her journey later, other than her being very mentally susceptible to everything that she experienced, right? Um, even the mention of the word family sends her into mm -hmm. a uh, sickness, right? A, a sickening, uh, I need to reuse the bathroom and get away from everybody for a minute. Well, because that grief stick, sticks with you, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, and it eats away at your inside when you don't right. have a way to deal with it. And she had no comfort, right? Mm -hmm. And she was restraining everything. And she's so unhealthy. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, and for me, that path through grief really is what the story for me and I, and I, I would say that that's right. That really I would say that feels right. Um, and the moment of, of um, I mean, death in general, most of the time being so uh, sudden and shocking to her, she had no idea that her, her entire family was going to be, you know, was dead while she was trying to get a hold exactly, of them, right? Right. But here in Midsummer in this Swedish commune, uh, Swedish? Norway? Where are they? Sweden. Uh, We're Stockholm. Sweden. Yeah. Stockholm's in Sweden. Um, so I'll look it up. You know, the, I mean, ev anyway. every death that happened there, other than her friends, um, was planned and purposeful and thought out. And this is when, you know, people are, people are going to die because they're going to sacrifice. There's no danger here. There's no sudden loss of life here. Everything is given. Death is a choice rather than something that just happens. Yeah, you know, uh, talk about, and we're we're going to run out of time, so I think we're going to end up pausing and restarting. Yeah, so why don't we restart. do that? Yeah, let's just why, why don't we just do it? So we're going to pause, and we'll be right back. There'll be a sound effect or something, and we'll be back. You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. All right, back. We're back. Sam, sorry I didn't count down for you, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah, there's... Uh, there's Man, where do you want to go next? Like, that, there's just so much to talk so, about. But so you know, I want to talk about, talk about it all, you know? right? Some of the um, the some of the the tropey loss of mm. individual characters and how well that was crafted in a way that we knew what it meant. So as a film audience, uh. we're able to digest that yeah. this the the slasher of this movie is right. the commune, right? It's the village. Right? Right. Um, it's the, it's the village itself, uh, but. All along the way, we're seeing some very graphic images associated yeah. with that. I think the foot with rune on it. I think the the skin face and the very yeah. strong potential yeah. that they had a meal of uh, the jester. I thought that was spectacular. That the uh, the goofy guy, the guy who pees on the tree, is the jester right. uh, at the end. Um, but I mean, I think I. I think we're, it's very likely he was dinner in the pie. Oh, someone was eating. You know, like... For, well, the pie was made before they took him away, right? Right. No. Or the pie was... Yeah, because he brings up... He brings up... Is oh, that, is that a pubic hair? Yeah. So that's right. So, that, yeah, so he gets taken it, away during the pie. Right. So it's the other dude, maybe. It's I, the, was, I was thinking that... Um, I was thinking that the black guy, Josh, I think, was 
part of the tea or the stew or something. Okay, right. But I have no idea. I yeah. like that's what they make you wonder. Like, uh, yeah, you have to think it through. There's some. There's some. Someone's in some food somewhere. I yeah. Think. Well, when we when we, I think it's the the first couple is who's gone at the time of the pie eating. Right. So it might right. be it might be and them. That and guy was kind of flayed open. Flayed with open. His, with his lungs still breathing. Still he functioning. Was still alive. Yeah. Um, that might have been one of the most horrific images from the film for me was just the and discovery the of flowers of, and eyes yeah, yeah. it's a lot uh, um, and, but, well, yeah. and he doesn't does he actually end up in the I don't think he ends up I don't think in he the does. end in the I don't, burning I see building him in the, but there yeah. were, so what did they say four it was four, four. and four and then one, one. Right. and so you had that was chosen you, you had um Josh, right. the black guy, right? Josh, the jester, who was right. he got the leather face treatment. Yeah. Um, yeah and then you had uh, you had the girl. The girl. Um, and then it must be that guy. It must be that guy. Right? Yeah. Because so they he must have, must have moved in there after that. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when they get that. Getting really, lost in all of that yeah. isn't as worth it as just the idea that the, that image is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and. Uh, but yeah, definitely tropes for all of that, right? Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you got, you definitely have seen, people have seen enough horror films to understand, like, no, you definitely shouldn't get up from the table and go follow her somewhere when she didn't say where they were going. It's just, I'll show you. Don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do it, right? Um, yeah, and it was, I didn't, I didn't pick up on, um, at first, when he came in and uh, distracted Josh from taking the photos of the, of the rune book. Um, I did not pick up at first. I was like, who is that? Like, I didn't realize that's that's who it was. And that, in fact, he was just skinned and someone was wearing his face. Um, But also wearing, there was like... No, there was a cod piece thing too. Yeah, for Um, sure. Um, And so his manhood seemed chopped off. Which matches the act he did against the uh, burned bodies, which is an awful smell. The burning of human flesh is not pleasant. Talk about a, a, a... a difficult thing to have done to stand there yeah. with it and then for them to have burned essentially all night right yeah and then right. the next morning you totally to still clear. smell right Oof. Um, uh, but yeah and one of the bigger tropes the only person I felt who was safe this entire film was the girl was Danny mm-hmm. um, last girl final girl trope from all those horror films right it's the last girl who's always alive and the main and, girl who's and like, she ends yeah. up twisting and defeating uh, the the evil of the world which to some great extent ends up being Christian right uh, which is a great name to place in opposition to a pagan society yeah. I mean right. I, I just yeah you know kudos, yeah, yeah, I did kudos, kudos to character yeah. names yeah. right <laughs> you know like uh, like that, that really plays out um, yeah so I- imagery wise really spectacular uh, music wise spectacular a yeah. lot of these sort of tropes redefined and, and, and twisted uh, for, uh, for us how about the uh, issue of the deliberately created distorted being whatever you want to call them the deformed person uh, that felt to me like the only thing that the I didn't inbred uh child yeah and I didn't get that I didn't get an output for that save for the fact that at this point the the book is just distortion right there's it's what's in their book is meaningless but I I, I'm not sure I understood that particular character yeah it seems like um, you know I'm not really sure either but it seems like they need some guide like they have some god or they have some be there's some higher power somewhere and the higher power may just be the earth or the universe or whatever right um 
speaking to an unclouded child or an unclouded um, young adult um, who doesn't have to deal with the stress of I don't know what they're stressed about in this commune. Well, they don't language if nothing right. else, right? Right. Doesn't he just doesn't speak? Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what the the uh, the purpose of that was other than giving the runes a um, origination like place. And it right? certainly is a red herring for who's the bad guy, quote unquote. Right. right? You, you know the leather face moment. Of that distorted face underneath the skin mask coming in, yeah, is is yet another like completely twisted trope that's yeah. really spectacular. Well, and, and we have we have um, the only actually horrific looking thing on screen being an innocent being. Yeah, that's a good um, point too. And so that that may be what it is of just like if, what you're looking at here isn't the bad thing. Actually, this thing that looks like it could be a villain in another film somewhere. Um, actually is completely innocent, doesn't do any harm the entire film other than watching the horrors take place right. from his bedroom corner as they continue to and just... painting mm-hmm. scripture and, for right. all practical purposes. Right. Um, uh, what do you think about special effects and drugs? <laughs> yeah, uh, the... Um, it was trippy, man. That was... Uh, I, I don't know how they did it, what they did specifically to, to, to make like kind of the earth and the mountains move. Um, loved the flower kind of with this heartbeat oh, that, on her, oh, goodness gracious, on her head. It was amazing. Um, and it wasn't overdone. I didn't feel like I was like, this is, this is too much. I'm getting a little dizzy. Well, there's things on the enough. table that yeah. are, are, are both like exhaling and inhaling yeah. and moving. And there is this like distortion wave through lots of our images. Yeah. Not, and what was interesting to me is it's, it's that question of POV versus not POV. So I, I'm not sure any of those shots were POV shots. You follow me, but we were seeing perspective. They weren't. I don't think you know? they were POV, but I think yeah, we followed. We suddenly jumped into Danny's perspective, right? Uh, uh, at least from the like almost like an out of body experience. From yeah, Danny being the when camera. she looked at her feet, when she looked mm-hmm. at her hand, Hands, when yeah. with the growth of like the grass, the grass, through. right? Yeah. Those were moments that were POV, but a lot of the rest of it is us seeing from opposite angle. She's in the shot, and I think you know, I think partially. Uh, asked or wanted us to feel like we were there yeah. with them because I I never want to look away from a movie like ever like I don't I just don't do it because I'm like oh, it's gonna be fine like it, this is special effects it's okay whatever I'm like I'm not gonna look at this guy's head getting smashed in two more times mm-hmm. like I've seen it once I'm not gonna look again I'm gonna turn away um, which all of the other characters that are new to this commune are doing. Um, and later on, I, I don't think I looked away since then. That was the only time I really, I really turned my eyes. Um, but the, the, the drug hippie effect, right, starts to become more and more apparent as the film goes on. I think towards the end, like, there's just things that are just... There's just a present. There's just stuff that's moving. And so we've, we've, uh we've drank the tea and we've eaten the food and we are now a part of this uh, commune uh, whether and, we like it or not and there are some moments where cameras tracking away f- uh, where you know actors are moving mm-hmm. or characters are moving away from us and a character will turn around to draw us in yeah. or make contact with us yeah. it's not directly in camera but it's pretty close to in camera and that's really you know who I felt about us you know who I felt connected. like I felt like um, Christian at the end after he's been um He's been drugged a little bit, yeah. and he's just—you can't speak, you can't move. All you can do is see. My eyes were opened. 
uh, and I'm just stuck there paralyzed watching everything happen around me almost like the kid in the bed in the corner mm-hmm. um, that's how I, that's how I feel now looking back on it yeah and as we're sitting in the fire at the end mm-hmm. uh, we, we've sat through a fire the whole time through especially if you're open to that the, you know um, I hardly ever like hearing other people talk in the theater but the couple to our couple front right, front right. Re- and she hated it she was it. dreaming uh, and she hated it <laughs> yeah she hated the film you, you, you uh, left a few moments before me I was watching a little more of the credit design and uh, she's like that was awful almost <laughs> awful um, but she needed a lot of instruction yeah. um, that yeah, was yeah. interesting to me uh, and, and and certainly uh, a salvation from the stress but I do think we were in the we were in that space as oh, yeah. an audience and that's a powerful thing for a director to be able to do yeah um, there was times where I quickly something happens and it was humorous Right? I would chuckle at first, and then it you. would suddenly take a hard, like, nosedive. Like, no, this is serious, man. Like, this is, don't laugh at this. this the sex scene is horrible and ridiculous yes. and funny. Yeah. And then she's obviously a virgin. Yeah. There's blood on his penis when yeah. he's leaving out. That was the thing I was going to say before I had to say it. Yeah, and was. that level of detail is it's it's about the things we are uncomfortable about mm-hmm. about our nature and our relationship yeah. you know um, it's, it's about the consequences of sexuality and, and all those things right. that we struggle with like as people and I think one of the dangers of a film like this is that we live in a society that's less empathy and I don't know what an audience full understanding of this is it's like people watch The Handmaid's Tale and, right. and quote the Right, bad guys right. lingo like right. it's you know they quote that scripture from that yeah, what is that the, world yeah. uh, uh, you know blessed be, blessed the, be the fruit, fruit and you're whatever. like oh don't say don't that say to your it. girlfriend so you know a lot of ways I worry <laughs> about people's response uh, to this yeah um, but you know we saw it in a the theater during the day a week after it's open we didn't see it in that big uh, community right I am I'm, I wonder what the overall response was from from people who did see it so if you've seen the movie please Tweet at us, reach out to us. We'd love to know your thoughts on the film. Yeah, I have friends who have written some extraordinary things about their experience of this, uh, and uh, it lives up to certainly the quality of filmmaking. So let's oh, let's man. take that moment. So we're running out of time, or we're going to run out of time, uh, and we do want to get this podcast to you, so you can <laughs> uh, have something to think about. So uh, wh- where, where do you how do you rate this? I don't thing? know how to rate this. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to rate the film. Because this is not a film I am ever gonna want to see again okay. in my life. Um, I just don't have I don't have a need to see it as as spectacular as the filmmaking is behind it. Um, horror I don't necessarily watch more than once or twice unless it's like a classic like Halloween sort of thing, right? Um, as far as like a horror film goes, I it's it's almost like a. I don't want to watch Saw ever again. Like Saw, I, I, the first Saw is good. The second Saw, third Saw, and beyond, they just get gore for gore's sake. Right. This kind of teetered that line a little bit, right? There is there is meaning behind all the gore, and so for that, um, it's not just like a low number for me. But I would probably put it at like an eight for a horror film because I was genuinely disturbed by the imagery, but also by the story of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Filmmaking wise, like it's astounding, um, like nine and a half out of ten, like ten out of yeah. ten, like it can't be less than that, um, because every single piece of detail, everything they did, was so 
spectacularly crafted that um, it deserves it. It just and the acting was amazing, like everything. Yeah, it's the kind of horror film that needs to be up for an Oscar, right? Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. it's it's never going to get up for Best Picture. I can imagine no. the, the Academy would have the guts to do some of that, but in the categories of production design and direction and all of these areas, across where the you, board, you yeah. know that th- these people are working at the top of their game mm-hmm. because we would have seen the failures and the movie's disturbing nature doesn't work if we can uh-huh. find fault, right? right? So if I can find the piece that slips, if I can say, oh wait, that's not the same color shoes, yeah. or right. you know, why did you know, you know, why did you do this, or why did you do that? I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. saying, look how well crafted, look how well designed it is, look how much work went into this piece, yeah. and it's uh, it, as you say, it's across the board. So I mean, I would rate the filmmaking of this a nine or a ten. Like it's it, it yeah. is really breathtaking. Yeah, and not and not just because you know guy's face gets smashed, but because the the filmmaking is yeah. breathtaking. It, it really is for me. That's how I survive. So. I'm much more likely to be disturbed by a horror film that's made less effectively Mm. because the craft of the film keeps drawing me in as an audience person even though I'm not saying like oh let me slice this apart it's just craft is worthy of a measure of respect and connection that, that you don't do when a movie's not as good and then you're sucked into something that is that really creeps you out right. you know uh, so so yeah so that that's what I would say I'd rate it really high as a horror film I don't think think it falls into a traditional horror film category yeah it, it's, it is living in the world of this cult cinema right uh, it's much closer to something like The Hills Have Eyes or right. something like that than it is to a, like a traditional slasher film For like sure. a post 80s yeah. film it's a really good horror film yeah it's a horror but again rating it in that way seems weird which is what we normally try to do right yeah it's hard Th- this is just a really great well-made film I'm glad we saw it I'm actually super excited we saw it during the day yeah because walking out of the theater into daylight is a really exciting emotional experience <laughs> you know yeah right At, well, even after seeing this film right, right. specifically after seeing this film um, yeah nothing not, not all danger and, and destruction and evil happens in, in, in the night right so you know that idea of the dark man and the the you know we're going to defeat the dark man there's so much language mm-hmm. that is traditionally placed into religion and uh, and they they just take it and play with yeah, it. Yeah, right. Completely. Right. Does evil often masquerade itself as light? Right. Yeah. So. And so there we sit in this bright world. And Astra says he's not doing any more horror films. That's a that's thing interesting. For you to know. I had not seen Hereditary. Yeah. Um, what other films did he do? Uh, you can look that up. I'm going to look up Astra. Yeah. So Hereditary is terrifying, but Hereditary is a very. It's not a non-traditional horror film in a lot of ways, but it much closer to something we would recognize, right? Right. Right. So right. that that's that we're surprised by what the story does, but we're not surprised by the general structure. But here again, he's using these tropes, and that's one thing I haven't heard at all in the reviews, and maybe I haven't listened to the right reviews. But in my searching around in this interim time, warming myself up to, to be willing to come right. see this, um, I uh, I've heard reviews and nothing said oh it's sort of traditional tropes all present he just does with them what a great filmmaker does which is make them new right, uh, right, right. We're not, puts his own twist on them yeah and, and makes them something that we both can recognize but we're not dismissed because of our access to them this right. movie is follows the rules of scream right but 
it does, but we don't sit in it seeing those rules be followed, and that's just really tremendous craft. It's just hereditary and okay. Midsummer that have really been his big, his big. I mean, everything else I think he's done has been very, very indie, under the radar, like not, not nothing I've heard of. So, so we're, we just need to know that that there's going to be other films by this guy, and they're not going to be horror films. And I'm anxious to see. I am too. How that mm-hmm. goes. Yeah. But in the same way, you know, uh, we know that uh, Jordan Peele is not going to sit in horror for the rest of his career. Right. You know, we we there are people who give up. Horror is a great entry point to making great films. I mean, look at Jaws. Yeah. You know. I mean, Jaws is spectacular, and that is right. the doorway for Spielberg, right? Right. It gives you the kickstart, right? To kind of, and it's and oftentimes horror is cheap to make. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, it's very cheap to make because it's a lot of it is spectacle over story, right? Something, but you get us and you get Midsummer. I don't know what the budgets were on those films, but um, you're not just getting these cheap tricks and practical effects and special effects and. Um, jump scares that are tricking you into thinking this is an actually really good scary film you're getting actual horror from amazing directors who are great at the craft of filmmaking and not just giving you a jump scare every now and then right um so you recommend it i would recommend seeing this film but just be cautious of the imagery going in um yeah, it's definitely something you need to be in the right headspace to watch before seeing it. Yeah, and I would recommend it as well, but I would recommend the theater viewing. Yeah. I think that for the sound alone, for the sound yeah, mixing oh yeah. alone, yeah. seeing it in a theater where you can get the kind of professional sound mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference. For sure. Uh, and so, that is, again, that's just a recommendation. Who knows if people will do that. I think it's going to suffer on the small screen. Yeah. Uh, I think it gets safer when it's put in a small box. We need to be overwhelmed. Right, right. Even, even putting headphones in would be better than just listening to it Absolutely. on your TV. So if you're going to watch it, maybe watch it alone by yourself with some headphones in right. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, what's our next film? Do we know? No, we don't. We may go find ourselves a small indie film, but you at the end of the month in just a, you know, two weeks, two really, weeks. Uh, people will be hearing you, not me. I'll be in Italy uh, talking yep. about Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Um, and I'm probably going to bring Alec on and chat in the car with him about the film. He's a Tarantino fan. Um, then we'll loop you in for the second half of the, right, I'll of come the podcast. The and, uh, and, uh, I'll be back in time for that. And if not, I will just do an extra and I'll, yeah. I'll vomit some yeah. things out. And that'll how I'll get rid of my grief from having not seen it. <laughs> cool. Um, anything else? Other yeah, than that? So we got to just tell people how to get in touch with us. Oh, yes. Uh, rackingfocuspod at gmail.com. Email us with your films. We would love to know if you're making, if you're a filmmaker, if you make short films, please. We would love to review your short film. That would be so much fun for us to do. Um, so send that to us at rackingfocuspod at gmail.com and we can kind of work out those details. Other than that, you can find us on Twitter where Pod Focus. Uh, so you can find us at Pod Focus on Twitter. You can communicate there. We also have a Facebook page. We hardly ever touch, but it's there <laughs> it's because there. it's important to do. And we have an Instagram that's Racking Focus Podcast. So uh, you can check us out in any of those places. And we hope that you'll communicate so we can build the rest of our conversation more than just two guys sitting in a car. Yes. And lastly, please leave us a five star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to your podcast. If you hate us, leave us a five star review. Just write how much you hate us in the comments. If you love of us leave that five-star review also and just tell us how much you enjoy listening to this podcast and maybe what we can do better to maybe loop you into the conversation um other than that yeah we're getting a little better at this yeah. and as a result i want people to hear it so i'm super <laughs> excited now for people to be able to listen and that requires some reviews so other than that 
What do you want to say? Uh, man, I'm disturbed. I'm not going to sleep tonight. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm pro- I'm going to sleep tonight and wake up in the middle of the night. There's no alcohol tonight, though, for sure. Oh, I know. The world not. will start bubbling around. So, uh, thanks for watching. Josiah's disturbed. Uh, we hope we'll s- you'll be listening to us next time. Uh, take care. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus podcast.